First You Think is a not-for-profit ministry of the First Unitarian Church of Des Moines. Support us at ucdsm.org today. If not now, tell me when. And so I'm going to diverge from my script for a minute and thank the tech people who I know are having a hard morning and all of you for your patience. And I'm going to suggest we do a quick prayer from Thich Nhat Hanh, um, the monk who recently left us at the age of 95. So would you with me take a breath and breathe in peace? Take a breath and breathe out love. Breathe in, breathe out. We have this present moment. More than 25 years ago during a lay-led service, I gave a sermon before I was ever a minister titled, Life is Not a Dress Rehearsal. I was just turning 40. I was contemplating the beginning of middle age and looking back, I realized I had no idea what the next 25 years would bring. I didn't have any idea I would become an ordained minister. I for sure didn't know that the best day and the worst day of my life were still to come. I couldn't imagine my small children as the adults they are now. But I did know at age 40 that it was up to me to create my own best life that this time was the only time we have for sure. I resonated to that poem I shared from Mary Oliver. What did I wanna do with my one wild and precious life? And I read a quote from Rabbi Margot Stein. Your second life begins when you realize this is the only life you have. See, life is not a dress rehearsal is a theological statement. Our understanding of eschatology, that's the big word about, that means what happens after this life, is a fundamental question in most of the world's religions. Indeed, some scholars say that grappling with the very short time of our existence, the brevity of our time from our birth to our death, is actually the reason people created religion and why we continue to seek religious answers. The late Unitarian Universalist minister, the Reverend Dr. Forrest Church wrote, religion is our human response to the dual reality of being alive and having to die. We are not the animal with advanced language or tools as much as we are the religious animal. Knowing that we must die, we question what life means. The answers we arrive at may not be religious answers, but the questions death forces us to ask are at heart religious questions. Where did I come from? Who am I? Where am I going? What is my life's purpose? The goal is to live in such a way that our lives will prove worth dying for. I'm going to say that again. The goal is to live in such a way that our lives will prove worth dying for. See, most of us as Unitarian Universalists believe in what theologian Rebecca Parker calls a realized eschatology. Now, among us, we may not know or agree what happens after this life. But I think 
most of us, if not all of us, understand that we are called to create or perhaps co-create with the sacred a better life on this earth now and not live for some other worldly distant future. In the words of one of our beloved hymns, we are already living on holy ground. I learned from my first minister and my mentor, the Reverend Frank Hall, that the only heaven and the only hell we know for sure we will experience, it's during this time on earth. Surely we have all known heaven and hell in this life. We've learned, haven't we, in real time during these past two pandemic years that we can't predict our future and that we must be present to the time we do have. At my congregation in Reston, Virginia, during the first year and a half of the pandemic, I had many congregants tell me that they were waiting for life to begin again after COVID. And what I told them over and over again is that it was this, this, right now, for better or for worse, that is our life. That we are being called to live in this present moment as well as we can, not wait for life to begin later. We can't wish this time away because it might be the only time we have. The Reverend Dr. William Barber um, from the Poor People's Campaign, a hero of mine, would open his faith council calls during the worst day of the epidemic by saying to us, you may only be alive for 48 more hours. How are you using them to serve the world? I try to live by a condensed version of the principles of Buddhism that I've been taught. There are four of them. These are not actually Buddhist principles. It's somebody's condensation of them. And it's they are, one, show up. Two, speak your truth. Three, do what you do with enthusiasm. And four, don't get attached to the outcome. Like many of you, I bet I do pretty well with the first three, but that fourth one, don't get attached to the outcome, that's my most difficult spiritual challenge. I have heard it said that faith and fear both arise from an uncertain future. And it is easy for me to go to fear when my future is uncertain. I think it's the epigenetic heritage from my Jewish ancestors who fled from pogroms over and over again. So I have taught myself that my spiritual practice, when I am faced with feeling fear about an unknown future, is to remind myself to choose faith. Not faith in another worldly being, but faith in me, faith in myself. Faith in my past that allows me to have trust for my future. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, you don't have to see the whole staircase. You just have to take the first step. So in times like now, when the future is unclear, we must learn to live with our hands and hearts open to our unknown future. To awaken each day with curiosity about the day ahead. And to have faith not in something external, but in ourselves and in each other. I hope you have used the pandemic times to be brave, to take what in Jesuit priest Richard Ward's words are, a long, loving look at the real of your life. Did you commit or perhaps recommit to what is most important in your life? 
Did you learn some hard new truths? I did, and I've made some major changes in my life. Sometimes we need the courage to begin our own endings. Steve Jobs, in his commencement address at Stanford in 2015, long before he knew he would die young, said, when I was 17, I read a quote that went something like, if you live each day as if it was your last, someday you'll most certainly be right. Right? He continued, since then, I have looked in the mirror each morning and asked myself, if today was the last day of my life, would I want to do what I'm about to do today? And whenever the answer is no, for too many days in a row, I know I need to change something. That's the end of the quote. So sometimes, my friends, we must listen to that no for too many days and make the difficult decision to let go of what we know and take a leap into the unknown. It's hard to change, but sometimes the courage to change and set new directions is the only way we have to live our truest life. For those of us who are in middle age and beyond, it is in this second half of life that we have an opportunity we didn't have in the first. We didn't pick the circumstances of our birth, of our family, our geography, our class, how we were raised, or how good our parents were. But in the second half of life, it's up to us. Father Richard War in his book, Falling Upward, says it this way, a quote that I have carried around with me for the last three years. Nothing can inhibit your second journey except your own lack of courage, patience, and imagination. Your second journey is all yours to walk or avoid. My conviction is, is that some falling apart of the first journey is necessary for this to happen. But if you don't walk into the second half of your life, it is you who doesn't want it. God will always give you exactly what you want and desire. So make sure you desire. Desire deeply. Desire yourself. Desire everything good, true, and beautiful. Now, I know finding that courage is hard and scary. Some days when we are suffering a loss or uncertainty, illness, financial or health difficulties, relationship difficulties, the best we can do is dread one day at a time. Sometimes maybe an hour or a minute at a time. And it is on those days we must most we most must reach deeply for gratitude. Wayne Muller in his book Sabbath says there is a level of inevitable unknowing in life. We can plan, but we don't know what will happen. I have learned in my 19 years of ministry that the worst things in life can rarely be predicted. The diagnosis, the car across the median, the sudden illness the bad news phone call. It is especially in those days we might do well to remember Thomas Merton's prayer. God, I have no idea where I am going. I don't see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. I prayed that a lot in the last year after leaving my church in Reston. I also try to remember 14th century Catholic Julian of Norwich's revelation that she had while she was having a near-death experience. She heard Jesus say, all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. 
My friends, we are all on this journey of this wild and precious life. And together, together, we co-create each other's lives. Those of you in your congregation, with Reverend Amy, with your staff, you are co-creating each other's lives. Our lives are not a dress rehearsal. This life, it's the only one for sure we know we have. Today, today is the only day you know for sure you have. So for today, I wish you faith. I wish you courage. I wish you compassion with each other, but also with yourself. I hope you will show up, speak the truth, do it with enthusiasm, and not get attached to the outcome here in your beloved community and all the rest of your life. May it be so. Amen.